In 2007, Isaiah Holt was sentenced to prison for seven years. A few months after his release, he was speaking at TEDx Portland. Now, how did that happen? Well, there's really only one answer to that. He turned it around. Promote positivity, because that's what comes back. That's how I got this TED Talk, just being positive. I don't know how the, the powers that be let me have a TED Talk. I'm going to play an excerpt from Isaiah's presentation at TEDx Portland entitled The Company You Keep. The emotional, moving talk had the crowd on their feet. At 12 years old, I became a gang member, started selling drugs. The turf we protected was about 30 square blocks, ranging from 15th and Prescott all the way down to MLK and Fremont. At 16 years old, I dropped out of high school and ran away from home. And upon my, conviction, upon my conviction, the district attorney labeled me as a minister to society. And at 18, I went to prison. I spent the next seven years, seven years in prison. I witnessed a lot of things inside that jungle, from racial segregation and gang warfare to drug trade, rape, suicide. So I had to make a choice to either continue the path I was on, probably leading my death, or use this time to redeem myself and become the man my mom always wanted me to be. So while in prison, I took college classes, I trained to be an athlete, and I enrolled in a five-year apprenticeship program to become a licensed electrician. Now I caught up with Isaiah at the gym he works at, owned by childhood friend Sam Johnson. I talked with them both at the gym, and I wanted to catch up on what Isaiah's been up to since this amazing talk, and to just get a sense of where he's at. He's serving as a motivational speaker, he's helping out children, and helping motivated people at the gym. Get them in shape, get the butts off the couch. So without further ado, it's today's special guests, Isaiah Holt and Sam Johnson at Strength Farm on PDX Podcast. You were having so much fun on stage. It felt like a guy that just was in his element that was just having a lot of fun up there. Yeah, uh, pretty much. So uh, I did Toastmasters before, so it was kind of easy for me to speak. Uh, and just to go up there and talk about my story and to kind of let people know that things can happen and things change. And, and if you have to take, you have to be very mindful about um, who you're around, the company that you keep. And because things can happen at any moment, um, so definitely be uh, it can be a matter of at the wrong place at the wrong time. So uh, really calculating your steps and to be able to let people know how serious it is to do that and to talk to kids. And that's where I'm here now to speak with kids and youth and uh, let them know how valuable life is. You know, you two both were telling me before that you both led very divergent lives. You grew up here in Portland. I'd like to hear that story a bit more about that. Could you tell us both? Exactly, your your life story, how you've grown apart and now you've come back together again. Yeah, for sure. So Isaiah and I, we played basketball together in 7th and 8th grade, a little bit into high school. And we both went to different high schools. I went to Lincoln, he went to uh, Grant. And I joined the military when I was 18. Obviously, you know Isaiah's background. Uh, we both came back to Portland at the age of 25, ran into each other at his TED Talk in Portland. I you just, ran into each other on the TED Talk. Yeah. Okay. So he, he spoke 
And I was like, oh, man, Isaiah, I know Isaiah. Like, you know, so I waited around for him after the show. I was like, Isaiah, what's up, man? He recognized me right away. He was like, oh, you've gotten a little bigger, man. Like, what you been doing? I was like, oh, I was in the Air Force for seven years. I was in Afghanistan. You're kind of a big guy. I just want to let people know that. (laughs) And so was Isaiah. So I was, you know, I was like, what were you doing? You know, obviously I heard his talk. So I was like, okay, well, you know, we're both back in Portland. I'm going to be looking to open, you know, a gym in the com- you know, in the future. So, you know, we'll stay in touch. So we exchanged information. Uh, we worked out together one time at 24-Hour Fitness. And then when I started this, I hit him up. He was, like, the first person I hit up. And I was like, man, you know, we're going to do this. Uh, you know, definitely into training kids and getting athletes in there, people of all ages, you know, all backgrounds. And basically, it just hit the ground running. So we've been doing that ever since. Now, you joined the military, and Isaiah, you had a different path. Um, just a little different. It was, uh, walls were a little taller, and I didn't make it outside too often. Uh, but more than anything, uh, it was a structured environment, kind of similar to what Sam's situation, too. So, um, yeah, though, yeah. though we, though we had different avenues of learning, the basis of everything was learning how to structure ourselves and what we're going to find important. And what I, what I like to take out of this, um, However, you know, Sam went through what he went through, and but at the end of the day, he still learned what's good for him, and he learned how to help beyond that. So beyond the things that he learned in the Air Force and all those things, he created a structure, and he created something that's going to be valuable for himself along for others. And in my experience, I did the same, uh, trying to figure out how to uh, influence and be able to be a part of someone's life because when you get your life taken away and options taken away from you, from myself being in prison, I can only do so much. And to lose control of what I could do verbally, physically, to, to anything is really mindful. And the same thing has to go for Sam, too. You, now you understand how precious life is, um, especially in the situation for him when you can have, you may have to take life. And in my situation, I, going to prison and having that ability to understand what can happen in one moment. So going, getting into fitness, getting into the health, and trying to teach kids uh, how, how important it is, and just people in general and life in general, how to control yourself and learn how, how powerful that is. Now, one thing I've read about you, you, you work with other prisoners at the McLaren facility. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, what exactly do you do? Do you help inspire them or help them? I mean, you've, you've managed to become an electrician mm-hmm. by studying, and while you were incarcerated, what are you, what's your message to these folks that are, you know, in, in that kind of very <laughs> tough environment? <laughs> It's my message is pretty real. Uh, Stay alive. Uh, my right. <laughs> it's it's very real. My message is is of hope for kids because more than anything, they kind of ask me how do I do it. Um, a lot of people ask how do you stay positive like yourself. It's like it's those things. <laughs> it's those uh, recognitions of of the other and understanding. I just took a selfie, by the way. Right. <laughs> nice shout out. You shout out to the stream forum over here. <laughs> um, for the podcast weekly, hey, shout out, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> right, um, it's it's a message of, of hope to the youth to let them know that hey, once you understand that this situation happened to you, um, whether you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, or you committed what you did, now you became a number. Now you became something that it's hard to get out of. It's hard to stay away from. And if you already a minority, and now you have this felony on you, it's going to make it very difficult for you um, in life in general to rent an apartment, to get a job. It's a whole bunch of just basic things that you can't do anymore. Um, so unless you become and stretch yourself outside of that, if they look at you at a piece of paper, you're done. 
So if you don't stay positive and you don't have that energy to put out and people don't ever meet you, you'll always stay this number. And I try to tell them, say, hey, so what? So what about that number now? Now that just means you got to do more push-ups and sit-ups. That's one of my uh, metaphors I use with kids a lot. And I just mean mental reps. Mental reps preparing yourself for the no's. Mental reps preparing you for the doors that may not open. Uh, and get through it and understand. Like when I'm my TED Talk at the end, I was like, I'm not worried. Like, I'm going to be great. So thank God I did my push-ups and sit-ups because you're going to get out my way. <laughs> I'm going to make the way. So it's, that's how it is. And I just give them a message of empowerment. Um, tell them to stay positive. Talk to them about the controlling themselves and controlling their uh, environment. Um, I talk about money. Uh, one, as- one aspect I talk about them are, is a metaphor of depositing and withdrawals. How much are you depositing into your bank account? So one of my things that I say to the kids is, if you were to give twenty four hundred dollars, you're good. Are <laughs> if you if you were to get twenty four hundred dollars, so a hundred dollars for every hour of the day, and you sleep a certain amount, so you lose that. You go to work for a certain amount, you lose that. So imagine if you leave with twenty four hundred and you only come home with seven hundred dollars or so, would you be kind of upset about it? And when I say that to him, saying that, hey, you're losing a lot of stuff with distractions. You could be losing stuff with temptations. But how much are you putting back into your bank account? Are you doing your healthy stuff? Are you eating healthy? Are you training? Are you giving to somebody else? Are you reading? Are you putting something back into your bank account? And if you're not doing that, you're losing. Like, what? that's why I asked you today. What the first thing I asked you is, what would you do? And you're like, oh, I did left. I said, no, what would you do today? What did you do for you today? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the first question you should ask somebody. It's like, what would you do for you? Is he always like this? Is he always like this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Isaiah is a very motivating person. You know what I mean? Uh, we, him and I noticed. I, I noticed. We, we actually have, we have different styles. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm more of a subdued type of personality. It's been like that. But it's, real, it's, but it's good, still there. Yeah, it's a good balance, you know, mm-hmm. because I'll come up to somebody and I'll be like, straight up, are you here to work or are you right. here to just, like, you know, mess around like are you are you here to actually get better or are you here to just waste my time because if you're here to waste my time that's up to you you know i'm, I'm not going to talk to you you can sit in the corner and do your little bullshit reps but if you're not going to do shit correctly you know i'm not going to even try to coach you but a lot of the people that come here they're very focused individuals to start off with and that's our job is to reach the people that maybe need a little bit more help and need me to sit down with them or need isaiah to sit down with them give them those metaphors that they can relate to um, in their own life and, and be like, look, all right, cool. So I know what I need to do now, so I'm going to take that first step. Because really, if you don't take that first step, like, you're not doing shit anyway. So, you know, why are you wasting your time thinking about it? You're going to need something for the rest of your life. Our goal is to help you become a leader and a level for yourself to be able to promote and move on. Like, if you're not helping the world, if you're not pushing something out, for yourself or someone else then like what are we here for like i'm just only here to coach you for you to be dependent to move on for yourself or independent i guess i should say yeah. uh and that's what we're here for so we have different styles but at the end of the day we both want everyone to succeed you know, i'm just curious how did how did the ted talks even happen how were they made aware <laughs> of the fact that you have this Dude, amazing story everybody asked you, you i'm asking me, the very you obvious me, like, question how do i get a ted talk can you give me a ted talk and i'm like go to prison for seven years but do some push-ups and sit-ups and a whole lot of pull-ups they read it in the paper is that what no uh honestly um i i was out for a few months and uh Honestly, I was it's good energy, like what's I said the, before. What's the hookup? Right, what's the hookup? Who I talk to? What's the number? And I'm like, yeah, I got people's number now, but they didn't know me before. Um, so I, I was at work. I got a job at Evans Metal Fab. I got a hookup from somebody doing the job. And um, they called so a guy who, his name is David Ray. He runs the TEDx Portland. And um, 
he calls me. I'm at work, and he's like, hey, are you Isaiah? And I'm like, yes, I'm kind of leery anyways. And uh, he calls me. I'm at work and says, hey, uh, have you heard of Ted? And I'm like, well, who's Ted? He's like, no, it's an actual event. You know, it's called technology, I think technology, engineering, design. Um, and then the X is the X factor, which happens to be Isaiah. Uh, and that's the experience and or your idea um, and inspiration. So uh, I said, sure, I'll do a TED Talk. Like he said, well, we don't really pay anybody, but you can get some Jordan. So I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, done. So uh, I met up with him. We talked a little bit about it and um, shared my story with him. And we kind of critiqued some things. And then I just let it fly. Um, from there, it just, it just, so before that, prior to that, I did a talk at um, the DePriest Awards. And it was for Al Jubitz and the guy who runs a scanner. And someone there from University of Oregon heard my talk and was like, dude, we got to have Isaiah do a TED Talk. And they ran around, called counselors for me, kind of a whole bunch of other people who were there who had me do that talk and was like, where's Isaiah? And I, next thing you know, what the number dialed. <laughs> and I'm like, sure, I'll talk right before McLevoy and all these people supposed to be the the, uh, the governor supposed to be there that year. Um, it was a pretty big year. So uh, what I loved the most about it was the rose. And for me, um, like I, I did a part of the poem from Tupac and it was just the rose that grew from the concrete. So it was kind of like my struggle and it felt really good to get on stage and just kind of let people know uh, that change can happen and, and things can get better and people make mistakes and uh, help the help the other. I took a couple classes for Russian literature because I wanted to be the fact, first black Russian. And I thought, why not? I'm optimistic like that. Why can't I be? So um, one of the books we read was called Demons, and it was talking about the recognition of the other. And it was talking about how we accept the other and whether a person's walking down the street and you can look now time uh, nowadays that people don't really even recognize each other people try their hardest i see police officers try their hardest not to look at me and then some police officers try their hardest to look at me and it's just like why like why not say hello when i smile it's free that's my message to people a lot it's like dude just smile man shit can be a lot easier if you just relax you know and boy you know how, you know how to relax <laughs> I mean, so relaxed on stage, my goodness, I've never seen a, a presenter so at comfort, so it is on stage, anywhere, I cannot um, recall, ever. And I did push-ups on stage, nobody ever done that at oh, TED yeah. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so TED Talks, that was a while back, but you, you're kind of a busy guy, you're up to a lot of different things, you're kind of an athlete, is that right? Mm -hmm. I, I played semi-pro football just for a year, I tried it out, but it was, at that time, I wasn't ready for it, and too many years went by, I started getting old. <laughs> Start get two seasons. You're still a millennial, <laughs> right? Now, yeah, now in bodybuilding shows, yeah. Now, now I change it up, and uh, I flex. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, has CrossFit gotten you leaner or stronger or more agile? Um, I haven't really fully got into CrossFit yet. Um, I do a lot of CrossFit movements, but right now I just do bodybuilding. So pretty much just want to get my aesthetics as even as possible. Really. I'd like to talk he about Randy him. Sebastian because uh, I'm kind of a fan of that guy. He's in his, what is he, 50 years old now? Yeah, 50 plus easily, yeah. Can you tell me about your relationship with Randy? Randy? Um, we're pretty cool. Uh, I don't know him too well, but we do go to the same posing coach. And a uh, really great guy, um, very awesome to be around, has a lot of knowledge in the trade and, and being in, in the gym for so long. Um, he's a really good guy to look up to and a good mentor. 
Oh, good. Well, I'm glad we mentioned him. I'm a big fan. I mean, any man who's at that age and at performing at that level, I mean, of any age, that's incredible and a true, true inspiration. Now, um, yeah, what else have you been up to these past few years? Uh, so the past few years, I had a son. So shout out to my son. His name is King Isaiah Robinson Holt. He oh, is right. He's already a he's beast. A beast. <laughs> he's a beast. Stomping he's in beast in. mode. Okay. Yeah, he's in beast mode. He's approximately twenty three pounds solid. Um, he does burpees and pull ups and squats already. Calves is up to point. He's very aesthetics is very good put together. Um, he's wonderful. Just now, almost learning to walk. His first tooth just popped a few weeks ago. So. Uh, I love him to death. So that's been an experience just to understand how to love for something else, a different love that I've never felt before. So um, with children, and, and for me, it just it, it solidifies where I need to be and where I need to focus at, knowing that I have someone else that's really depending on me. Um, so that's really awesome with that. And now moving in with um, Sam and building this business together with him, trying to work on the personal training, doing boot camp classes and CrossFit. I'm working on getting that license so we can help out and kind of expand the business and, and move along with doing uh, motivational talks and having camps here. So that's our goal is to have uh, availability for people to come here and not just think it's just a CrossFit gym. Like, it's yes, it says that. But we do so many things. It's yoga here. It's mindfulness thinking here. It's chiropractic work. We have a lot of things that we involve and incorporate with the community because it's so important for them to understand it's a part of your lifestyle so just don't think just coming here to strength farm that it's just about throwing around weight and it's crossfit um it's much more and beyond that i'm working on a nonprofit called in exchange for freedom that's going into prisons and going in to work with the youth uh, adults and the youth and giving them a message of hope and then we have curriculum for it so we have effective training and effective training cognitive practices uh, a whole bunch of material to help them um, understand their belief systems and understand uh, where their roots and came where, where do things kind of come from and and why do we have these belief systems and why do we react the way we react and then we learn how to assess their needs properly and get the problem solved so they can become um, productive members of society because that's what it's all about yeah. is how to make sure we can all evenly because to me it's like well, how can we all can't have what we want like that's one of my questions is like why can't we why can't you live on a hill somewhere why can't you have a boat why can't you (laughs) the whole reason i got out of the military was to open a fitness facility because you know i mean i trained people in the military for about six seven years i was like why don't i just do this for myself like why not you know so i got out separated uh, worked at another gym for a little bit i actually won the state championship in weightlifting last year and then went to nationals, and I was 25th in the USAW weightlifting, 94 kilo class. Uh, clean and jerked 360 pounds and snatched Wait. 285. <laughs> so how many plates is that? 360. How many plates? It's, it's a lot of plates. It's like three. Fi- it's like 345s and then a 25, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I did that from the ground, went up to the shoulders, and then overhead. And first person in Oregon to do that in my weight class. So it was cool, but it was more. That's more of like recreation, you know, just showing people like, hey, I know what I'm talking about. Like, it works on myself. And I had a brother that played in the NFL, and he had a lot of issues with concussions. So that's a passion of mine too, is like helping with, especially with yoga and mindfulness, like getting working with high school and college athletes, getting them into those things, like especially mindfulness, because uh, if you get a concussion, you know, you have to understand the resources that are available to you, and meditation is one of them. And yoga is another one, but I don't I don't think they really incorporate those in football right now uh, until they get to the pros. And by that time, it's a little bit too late because, you know, if you play from 12 years old to 22, 
you're just going to the NFL at 22, but you've already been playing football for 10 years. Like, your brain has already sustained a lot of hits. So, like, you spend a year or two in the NFL, your career, you know, your career is super short in the NFL, and then what do you do? You know, you're 24 years old. You've had seven concussions. You don't know how to think straight. You have depression. You might have a little bit of money, you know, a couple hundred thousand, but you run through that quickly because you really don't have the decisive uh, understanding of, you know, like what what you're planning to do in your life. So those are a lot of the things that I try to work with, like kids from Portland State, Oregon, Oregon State that are playing football now, uh, just based on my experience with my brother, um, and try and tell them, like, look, you know, football is cool. It's fun. Uh, you definitely want to train your ass off to be good at it and, and good at life and everything like that. But take school seriously and take your health seriously. Because if you don't, like if you get to that point where you're 25 and nobody's around you and you're just, you know, super down about yourself, like who knows what kind of thoughts are going to go through your head. And you have to understand how to deal with those thoughts and turn them into something positive. And a lot of times kids will come back to me, you know, after their football career is over and they're like, yo, Sam, like, what you told me about, you know, fitness, I'm starting to look into actually coaching people myself. Um, and I think that's a big thing is like when you come back to your community as an athlete, you should be giving back to the younger generation because you you experience so much. And like with us, we grew up athletes, but we did, you know, different things in life. You know, I was deployed and had to carry a weapon around so I didn't get shot. You know, so I mean, a lot of people don't know what that's like on some real you know, real life stuff, like you see things blow up, you see all kinds of stuff in Afghanistan, but you come back from that, nobody knows that experience, so you have to understand in your mind how to deal with it, you know, and how to cope with it, and then find other people that maybe have similar experiences, and then you can kind of work together. And you know, you guys are, you guys are original Portlanders, right, you, you're mm-hmm. born and raised here, I want to talk about the changes. What changes have you seen? I mean, you were talking about this earlier. I was laughing at what you guys were saying. Wisely, <laughs> right? Uh, shit, the change. Um, it's, it's been a lot of change, and um, is that good for business? No. I think honestly, it's good for it's business because Portland's did better for healthy stuff now. Yeah. I would say that, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, just the sheer number of people that are moving here is good for right. business because. Especially the people that are moving from, because you gotta have money to move to Portland right now. Like it's everything's getting more expensive. Um, if you're coming from California, Texas, Florida, New York, somewhere like that, like you've probably been exposed to uh, this higher end of fitness and training, uh, where you know it's CrossFit, personal training, boot camp style stuff. So you're paying 100 plus a month. And so I mean, from that aspect, yes. Um, as far as demographics and the people that we grew up with in Portland, like in in Northeast Portland. Be real, um, be real. No, no, really, like, uh, my dad, like, I spent half my, so I, I had a unique experience because I spent half my time in Northeast Portland and half my time in Southwest. Yeah. My parents both lived in different sides, but Northeast, where my dad was, and I spent half my time, it was, like, Woodlawn Park, the area, um, Deacon, and you go, you go around there now, like, you know, so back then it was like, <laughs> all right, you're playing you basketball. Yeah, you're time. playing basketball at seven o'clock at night. Like, what are you trying to get robbed or shot? You know, like, what are you doing? Unless you're a part of a gang. And now it's like, you know, people have barbecues out there, and we're talking about mostly white people. Uh, back then it was mostly black people, and so I think now it's just completely changed. I mean, there's still, you know, there's still black people, but everybody knows Portland's uh, one of the higher 
yeah. percentage of white people compared to minorities. Oh, yeah. right. um, so, and I mean, I'm half white, so I kind of... It's the opposite in prison. Shout out to that. Yeah. <laughs> There's more black people in prison than there is white people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the numbers. I, was like, I did a, they did a calculation the other day, and it said, like, there's 5% black people in Oregon, right? 25% of the 5% is in prison. Yeah. So do the math. And what's so what is it nationwide as far as like I don't know, dude, it's dumb. But the military, uh, a million actually out of two million. Matter of fact, I can actually tell you that I just looked that up. I think there's like over two million people incarcerated. A million and something is uh, yeah. black people. I saw uh, the documentary Thirteenth is on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. But I will say that uh, the other side of it too is that a lot of it is just the community itself like it kind of dissipated um at a certain point when prices started to rise up in portland so you know people were starting to look for other situations i know gresham is you know somewhere where people have moved out to i have some friends that live out there um but i mean my experience in the military was very diverse there's a lot of people in the military that are minority you know so i don't know the exact numbers on that but that's another avenue that minorities tend to take uh when they leave high school because it can be somewhere that kind of turns your life around and gives you opportunities that maybe, you know, you might not have had because not everybody has parents that can afford, you know, to pay for your, your college. If you're not balling and if you're not playing, you're not athletic enough, now you're, that shot's out the window. So what else do you do? I mean, for minorities that grow up in an environment, if you think, if you look at, if you just look at the numbers of, of parents and people who live in, you know, the type of color they live is blue collar, whatever, and, and, and you see the, uh, the jobs there. I mean, how do you find hope? And that's a situation for me where it's like I had a chance to play in an NFL, but it's like those chances were so far off because you don't see it really happening. You know what I mean? So even though you see how good you are and you can still move on, Sam could have moved on to the league. We both could have moved on to the league. We were at that level to go either way. But he took a different route with that, and I just chose to be in the streets. So I feel like our message now is to help these kids stay the right direction in that path because though I can't go play in the league anymore, I can at least help them and keep their minds, like how he was saying, that that level because these kids – either think that that's all it but what happens if it doesn't happen what happens when you go to a you know a d3 school or a d2 school or something like that well you still have to be successful like you still have to figure out what do you want and and those things that me and him have is very crucial in the world today for for youth and just individuals to to get in general it's like what do we want what do you want to do today how long does it take and are you doing what it takes that's three questions i ask myself every morning is what do you want uh how what do you want how long does it take and are you doing what it takes? And that's important for people to recognize on a daily basis that you have to figure out what's going to be best for you. You have to figure out how to deal with these situations and these environments. And and looking in the community now and people moving out and things getting um, segregated. But at the same time now, it's still welcoming. But it's it's you only can tell if you're on the other side. So like one I want to get an event started up, what I want to talk with Sam about is is everyone's affected by incarceration. And if you say no, you're lying. Because if you look at someone, something is going to make you feel a certain type of way. You may think that they're incarcerated. They may have tattoos, anything in that situation. So once you know, and then for myself, I've been very successful, but it's still hard for me to find a house. Because why? I have a felony on my record. So though I've done a lot of good things, on paper, I'm a felon. That's all that matters to people who I try to rent to. They don't know Isaiah Hope for nothing. They don't know about my TED Talk. They just see it as a person and a number in my background report. Yeah, I think that's that's a big deal in the U.S. as a whole. I think Isaiah is a good example of somebody who's really turned their focus around. I mean, he was a kid when he got put, you know, he was put in prison. So, I mean, obviously his 
his mental capacity wasn't what it is now, and that's kind of a chance. You know, prison's supposed to be a place where you turn it around, <laughs> you get a different mindset, you come out better than you were. So now you can make opportunities for yourself and help other people. But if there's red tape that's con- you know keeping you from doing things that are just normal life things, and you've already served your time, like that's to me that's wrong. Like I'm not a politician or anything like that, but. If you serve time, that means after you get out and you're done with that time, you have nothing to do with that anymore. So why is it that a felony is left on your record and it prevents you from doing what you There's would no want life. to do in a normal life? <laughs> right. You know, What you told me to do, what the parole office tells you to do. They tell you to stay out of trouble, <laughs> do all your right shit, and you can't. And it's like, that's why, that's another thing I told these kids. It's like, dude, you will fail. Like, there's no other way. And I'm talking to Sam, like, well, I want to get this business started and this thing's created for people coming home is because if you don't have this guidance from people who've been through it, Sam's been through it. I've been yeah. through it. Yeah, so what? Important. That is different. So what? We were hundreds of thousands of miles away. It's the mental thing. Yeah. You were, He was in the military. I was in prison. Doesn't mean that I didn't see people get killed too. Didn't mean that you have that same type of, uh, uh, not necessarily paranoia, but staying on point, you should say. Like You, you got to stay on point because at OSP, there's bars. That means that they can reach through and touch you. So you do the math on that. How comfortably will you feel like sleeping every night when you know someone can touch you? That's awkward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then in, in my case, it's like right. people were literally getting blown up in their sleep. I mean, right. the you know the Taliban or whoever over there shooting rockets off, they land on people while they're asleep. It's like, how do you sleep? You know, right. so same same example, different situation. But I think to bring it back home, I mean, Strength Farm is like a it's a community center. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we're really building here is like a place where people of all backgrounds and all ages can come. They can work out, and with our workouts, we don't just have one specific workout. We'll have specific workouts to each person. Thank you again, and this was so much fun. It really was a thrill to meet you guys. You're doing something strong in Portland, and I think you're representing the city in a very, very powerful way. Can you let the podcast know how many push-ups and sit-ups you're going to do here at Strength Farm and some squats? What is this, a challenge? Oh, the best, you know, no challenge, challenge, challenge. I just want to know what you did. Class. I got a class. You got to, yeah, you got to at least do something. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to help you out. You've been listening to pdxpodcast.com. My name's Gregory Day. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. We'll be here next Monday. See you then.